As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Hey, real quick. This episode is brought to you by Progressive, where drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. Plus, auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Quote now at Progressive.com to see if you could save. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates, national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Hello, hello, and welcome to the new Mindset Who Dis podcast. My name is Case Kenny at case.kenny on Instagram. And this is my weekly podcast where I create short, no BS episodes dedicated to helping you be the person you're meant to be, leave your comfort zone and live a fulfilling and purposeful life. Let's go. Welcome to episode 457. Hello, my friend. Welcome to a fresh new episode of New Mindset Who Dis. As always, thank you so much for listening. Thank you for supporting me. And today is a special episode. Today, I sit down and I talk with the one and only Mark Manson. You know his work. Uh, you've seen it. You've probably read it. I'm talking about the original self-help book, the original anti-self-help book, really, The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck. And, you know, if you're like so many people, over 11 million people, in fact, he's sold 11 million copies of this book, uh, you've probably read it, or at least you've probably seen it. It kind of stands out. It's got a bright orange cover. And today I had the opportunity to sit down with Mark and talk about it, talk about the book, talk about the mindset, talk about specifically what it means in life to not give a fuck or to give a fuck. And if you listen to the podcast, you probably know that I don't really do guests here. Uh, I rarely ever do. I must, you know, love to hear myself talk or something. So you know it's a big deal to me to have a guest on uh, when I do. And that's certainly the case here with Mark, because I read The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck in probably 2017 or maybe 2018. And it was really, really formative to my worldview and to like the invention and reinvention of, of case in the sense that it really gave me the catalyst to start practicing mindfulness, to go inside, to practice introspection, to be like, case, you need to sit down and really figure out what matters to you in life, to you. And frankly, his book, reading his book was the beginning of my journey into my passion of mindfulness. Because Really what I realized through that process and how it really opened my my eyes is that when you know what matters to you, when you figure out what matters to you, well, then you also realize what doesn't matter to you. And that is a huge breakthrough because then you can look out at the world and you can realize the facts. You know, that person who gives you mixed signals, well, they probably don't matter to you. That person who hurt you or rejected you or betrayed you, well, they don't matter. They no longer deserve space in your head and your heart. That feeling of anxiousness that isn't true to the reality of your real life, well, that doesn't matter. It doesn't need to be believed. 
So I think it's such a powerful thing to be able to say, this is what matters to me and why. And as a result, that is noise. That isn't a priority. This isn't the real me. Knowing the difference between what matters and what doesn't matter is how you make better dating decisions. It's how you learn to respect yourself, like truly respect yourself. It's how you learn to go after what you want and tune out the noise that distracts you or isn't a reflection of your best self. And that, in a nutshell, uh, if you need a quick recap of the book, that is what the subtle art of not giving a fuck is all about. Mark basically says that the key to living a good, happy, fulfilling life is not giving a fuck about more things or bigger things or even better things, frankly, but rather it's about only giving a fuck about the things that align with your personal values that you have decided are important to you. They're what you care about, what is important to you on a soulful level. And I think this idea can be so helpful in every area of life. I think the application that people really tend to gravitate to is Mark's dating advice of determining if someone is a fuck yes or a fuck no. That's if they're not a yes, then they're a no. I'm sure you've heard that advice online before. Well, that was Mark. Over 10 years ago, he wrote that. He was the pioneer of this advice. If it's not a fuck yes, it's a fuck no. So regardless of whether you've read the book or not, or it was a long time ago or not, I think you're going to get a lot out of my interview here with Mark. And it's great timing too, because Universal actually just released a film adaptation of the book. And I cut out in the interview some of the banter between Mark and I before we got started just to save some time, but we were chatting beforehand and I was mentioning that I think it's such an insane accomplishment as an author to sell 11 million copies of a book, but it's even rarer then for an author's book to be turned into a movie. But then then there's the ultimate rarity, which is for that same author to be in the movie. And he accomplished all three with this one. So definitely check out the uh, documentary adaptation. It's in theaters now or starting January 10th. It's available on demand streaming. But for now, enjoy my chat with Mark where we discussed what does it actually mean to not give a fuck in the year 2023? Can we still apply this, is it a fuck yes or a fuck no rule to dating? And in what ways can we stop self-sabotaging our lives and find what actually makes us happy? So here's the interview. Enjoy. So let's talk about the biggest theme here, not giving a fuck. Uh, I, I posted, Mark, on Instagram that you were coming on the podcast, and seemingly everyone who follows me uh, knows you and has read your book. Uh, so let, let's give them a little bit of what they want to start here with the main theme of, of your writing in the movie. What does it mean to not give a fuck? Specifically, I'm curious about what your take is on what does it mean to not give a fuck in the year 2023? Because you wrote the book in 2016, which is almost seven years ago, and you were younger then too. You were seven years younger. You've learned a lot in between. You've lived a lot in between. Does a mentality of not giving a fuck about certain things in life still apply today? Let's start there. What does it mean to give a fuck? What does it mean to not give a fuck? Well, I think I think the the base principle is the same, which is ultimately we are always choosing what to care about and what not to care about. And that choice is, it's an important choice. It's a precarious choice. And we have to like constantly work on being aware of it and, and making, you know, making better choices, essentially. Um, obviously things have changed with the times, uh, every year is a little bit different. I get old, you know, both in the world and in my life, you know, I get older, things change. So I, I think that's one of the things 
it's one of the things that I, I also talk about in the book and that like this job of choosing what you give a fuck about, it's never over because everything is always in flux. Everything's always changing. Um, there are new challenges in, uh, in the world going on and then there are always going to be new challenges in your life. So I think that the questions remain the same, even if, if the answers are constantly evolving. Yeah. So I'd love to talk about that a little bit further. You know, the the big question that you recommend when it comes to figuring that out, what matters? It's the question of what is worth suffering for in life? How can we actually figure out what is worth suffering for? So I'm curious, Mark, you know, particularly in the context of social media and like comparison, because I think it's so, so easy to log on to social media, look at people and say, oh, I should suffer for that because that person looks happy and they have it. Or I should be like them. That person looks successful or that person looks in love. So I I should suffer for those things. And then, you know, because we've chosen those specific things to suffer for from a place of comparison, we end up suffering for things that aren't really worth it for us, specifically us. And, you know, then we wake up with hindsight and it was like, oof, that was wrong. Uh, I should have been more intentional and so on. So I'm curious, Mark, your your thought here on what is your perspective on how do we actually figure out what is worth suffering for, particularly in the context of social media and comparison? I think it's a great question. I think there's, there's two ways to, to go about it that I think people don't think about very often. So the first one is you kind of alluded it to in your question, which is, Often people, you know, let's say you get on social media and you see a bunch of people with like rocking six packs or whatever, and you decide like, I'm going to suffer for that. And you go on some crazy diet plan or whatever, and it doesn't go well. Uh, I think a lot of people's reaction to that situation isn't to question whether that goal was worth suffering for, whether it was a good goal or not. They, they tend to blame themselves. They're like, oh, wow, I'm such a loser. I wasn't able to to accomplish this goal. Uh, what's wrong with me? Whatever. Um, and I think usually it's. I I think people need to get a little bit more flexible in terms of judging whether a goal is actually worth achieving or not. I think most goals actually aren't worth achieving. I think that most of the value from setting goals comes from just getting you off your ass and doing something. Uh, and even if you don't end up achieving that thing, the fact that you're up and doing something and improving yourself is is actually most of what matters. The the second way that I think people can kind of investigate this question and and they don't think about it this way a lot is it's often better to the the way you can kind of figure out what is worth struggling for in your life or not is by removing things. You know, we always think about like the stuff that we don't have um and what we want to add to our lives. But I think in this day and age when we're constantly exposed to so much stuff and we're constantly FOMOing and wishing that we had this or that or going on this trip or look like that or own this car or whatever. We never stop to think like, what are the things that I, I currently am doing with my life now or I currently own today that maybe I could get rid of? Maybe, maybe I'd be happier if I didn't have them. And so I think often one way to really get clarity about what matters to you is to temporarily remove them from your life. Uh, and the most obvious example of this is like a social media detox. Like you could actually see how much value, uh, say Instagram is giving you if you delete it off your phone for a few weeks and see how you feel or how your life goes, how you use that time instead. 
Um, but this can apply to anything. You can apply it to friendships, relationships, hobbies, jobs, possessions, whatever. Like get rid of something, see if you miss it. And a lot of times you'll be surprised that you don't. Yeah, that's so great because I think we're really, really wired to always be looking for more and for better in life, which I think is good, I suppose, because that means we're striving to grow, right? But on my podcast, I talk a lot about how I think sometimes the answer to what it is that we're looking for, it, how it lies in something different or something simpler, which is not what social media tends to convince us of. And so we neglect different or simpler as being a possibility. And on that note, Mark, you know, a lot of the content that I do is about dating and the ethos of mindfulness. And one of the things that has been a calling card of this generation and that you see everywhere is your, it's your idea of the law of fuck yes or fuck no. If, if I had a nickel for every time I heard someone say, oh, you know, I just need to figure out if they're a fuck yes or a fuck no, you know, I'd be rich. Uh, but this, this idea, this mentality, this question of yours that has become like a guiding light to simplify dating, I'd love your take on it. I'd love to go to the source, the idea that we need to figure out if someone is a fuck yes, and if they're not, that means they're a fuck no, no sitting in the middle area. So my question to you, Mark, does this idea still apply in the year 2023? In the context that we're all just on social media, on dating apps, we're all just one swipe away from someone new and maybe better. And it, we could always have a mentality of yes, but so it's a no. Or in the context of being maybe avoidant, uh, an avoidant attachment style, oh, it's a no because I'm uncomfortable with yes, with commitment. Right. So I'd love to hear about your take on this idea and how we can practically apply it in our dating lives in this day and age. Yeah, it's uh, it's interesting because it, I think it's it's almost 10 years now since I wrote that article. Uh, it's things have definitely changed. <laughs> so, oh, wow. So it, so it predates the book. Yeah. Yeah. I, I published that off that article in 2013. Um, so so I, I think I think one thing people uh, I, I've gotten I, I've gotten questions like this. People have emailed me questions like this a lot over the years, and and one of the conclusions I've come to is, you know, obviously it's sure it's a law, fuck yes or no, but that doesn't mean that it, it applies universally. Like it doesn't work for every situation or every context. I think where the law of fuck yes or no is, is most useful is when you feel conflicted about a decision. Um, it's kind of a way of reminding yourself that when it comes to really important things, whether it's dating a job, like taking a job, deciding to move, spending a lot of money on something, fuck yes or no is, is a way to to make sure you're you're not settling or you're not screwing up. Um, I think the point that you alluded to, which is that the issue of paradox of choice complicates the law of fuck yes or no quite a bit. Like the more options you have, say in the dating market, the more difficult it is to have clarity of that you're making the right decision. Like if you live in a tiny town and there's literally only like three people, three eligible people for you to date, fuck yes or no is probably pretty easy. Like you just pick the best one of the three. But when you're exposed to hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people every year, uh, it gets it gets way more difficult to get that clarity. And so I think one of the ways that I've found myself adapting that advice a lot lately is is instead of thinking of fuck yes or no for individuals, think about it for traits that you want in a partner. Um, I've found like with my single friends the last few years who are all kind of caught in this limbo of just going on a million dates and none of the dates go anywhere, I always end up asking them, 
what are your three non-negotiable traits in a partner? Like, what are the three things that you will not like refuse to, to settle up on? And once you figure those things out, then it, it becomes much easier to get that clarity around the people that you need instead of just kind of going on date after date after date and just hoping it feels right. Uh, because that's, that's probably like a really inefficient way of going about things. <laughs> yeah, I love that. You know, that's 2.0 of what we should look at, right? And it actually, it reminds me to ask you, uh, are you a fan of dating apps in this day and age? Uh, it's hard. I mean, there, there are advantages and disadvantages. So I think it's great that it's, it's so much more convenient to, to get exposed to new people. The downside, obviously, is the paradox of choice. Is like it's very easy to just kind of create unrealistic expectations for yourself, and then feel like you're constantly rejecting everybody you meet. So I think it you have to be careful about it. It's it's one of those things where I think it's mileage is going to vary a lot for individuals. I think there's probably a lot of people in the world that dating apps are make the dating process worse for them. I also imagine there's a a large number of people, maybe even a majority of people that it, it makes the process better for them. But uh, I think a, a lot of it is just understanding like what kind of relationships you want, what kind of people you want to meet, how you want your dating life to be, and then deciding for yourself based on that. Hey, real quick, this show is sponsored by BetterHelp. And you know, if you're like me, you're always wishing for more time in life, right? Like, I wish I had more time. I wish I had more time to do blank. I wish, I wish, I wish. And as much as practically having a couple more hours in a day would be cool, a bit more time to do what we love instead of jobs and responsibilities, it begs the question, what would we do with that time? Not just wishful, I want more time, but for what? What would I do with that time? What really matters to me? What brings me joy? What enhances my life instead of just filling time and space with? Well, to answer that question, I think therapy can help. Therapy can help you find what matters so you can do more of it. And if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapist at any time for no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash new mindset today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp.com slash new mindset. Hey, real quick, this episode is sponsored by Hero Bread. And something I'm into lately, as simple as it sounds, is toast. A nice toasted piece of bread, so simple, maybe some butter, maybe some jam, but just toast. It's the best. But as someone who is making an effort to invest in my health and fitness and diet, the carb fear is real. And the result is I don't get to enjoy a nice piece of toast as often or as guilt-free as I'd like. So I'm definitely grateful for Hero Bread. Their bread options have zero to one grams of net carbs, zero grams sugar, and it's high in fiber. It's got the same soft, fluffy experience you love when enjoying a BLT or a burrito or a burger or toast. And they were kind enough to send me some loaves and I can attest to it being the same experience I crave but now guilt-free. They also sent me some tortillas, which are great. They have bread loaves, buns, biscuits, tortillas, anything to match your bread cravings. So don't give up on being a breadhead. Hero Bread is offering 10% off your order. Go to hero.co and use code newmindset at checkout. That's newmindset at h-e-r-o dot c-o. 
<laughs> Imagine that, right? That there's <laughs> something for everyone. I think people tend to be a bit too binary, you know, being like people are either good or people are bad. You know, it depends on the qualities that you're looking for. It depends on the balance between them, right? Yeah, it's, it's, yeah. And, and it's, I think there's, there's just always going to be a love hate, you know, kind of like with anything on the internet, there's a love hate relationship with it. Yeah. Yeah. The, the advice that I always give is dating apps are good but prepare for bad experiences yeah. along the way. Don't get on a dating app, have one bad experience or two even or three even, and then go, everyone sucks, everyone is bad. It's part of the process, right? Maybe this is one of the things that you're willing to suffer for because you decided it's part of the process and it's worth it. So, you know, in regards to applying fuck yes or fuck no to qualities instead of people specifically, to my point, you know, I, I do a lot of dating content and I talk to a lot of people to get perspective and what's going on. And what I tend to see is that people generally start out knowing more or less what they want in a partner. They know the qualities they want and they're out there looking for them. But then life kicks in. We start getting older. We maybe get a bit jaded. We start comparing ourselves to other people. In our experience, we've been through, you know, so many talking stages or situationships or breakups and then we do this thing where we slowly start to talk ourselves out of those things, saying, I'm falling behind. Maybe I don't need that. Maybe I can do without that. So it begs the question, how can we encourage people to stop talking themselves out of negotiating on those things? How can you encourage people to stop rationalizing what they deserve and instead stay true to those qualities that they want in a partner? I'd love your take on this. Well, I think, I think the reason people compromise on those things, compromise on their own values when, when selecting a partner is they'd rather have a bad relationship than no relationship. I think that's the problem. That's like the root of the issue. And, and the way to fix that is to find a way to be extremely happy with no relationship. Like be happy by yourself uh, and learn to enjoy being by yourself and respect yourself, love yourself. You know, all those things play into that. Because it's, it's like, if you enjoy being by yourself, then you won't feel need to compromise. And, and not only that, but it will make you way more attractive for the people that you do meet, you know, when you do meet somebody who matches your values. Yes, 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 yes. So let's talk about that. Let's, let's switch gears a little bit here. You know, in the movie, um, you mentioned that in one sense or another, everyone is wrong. <laughs> We're all wrong. And you talk about how certainty is the enemy you know, ego is the enemy and how we need to recognize that. What advice do you have for people who feel kind of lost in that sense? You know, that they haven't reached a certain level of success or happiness or partnership. Is feeling lost in life a good thing or a bad thing? Does it mean we've, we've screwed up so bad that we're a failure? You know, what should we make of this feeling of being lost? I don't think it, I don't think it means you screwed up necessarily at all. Uh, I think, I think feeling lost is a natural phase that we we go through it it generally it's going to pre precede a, a major transition in your life so it's like you find a lifestyle that you like you know maybe it's a job you like hobbies you like community you like you live that for a number of years and then either you change or the world starts to change a little bit and suddenly it doesn't feel right anymore and when we hit those periods where things don't feel right anymore we know that that what we have is not working, but we don't know, we don't know what's going to work. Right. So that, that's where that feeling of, of being lost kicks in and it sucks. It's not fun, but it, I think it's, it's a, that emotion and that feeling is, 
is kind of a necessary evil to kickstart that exploration process of like, okay, what's the new lifestyle or community or relationship or career path that that I want to be on? Like, who am I going to be going into the future in this next phase of my life? And I, I at this point, I've kind of that cycle of having something not feel right, feeling lost, going through the exploration to find the next thing, and then moving into that next phase of my life. Like, I think I've gone through that two or three times at this point. And I feel like it's probably something everybody goes through three, four, five times in their adult life. Like, it's just a natural process of being a growing and changing individual. So it's not only is it not a failure at all, I think it's a sign that your values have shifted and you're, you're becoming a new person. And that's not, there's not only is that not a bad thing, but it's often, it's often a very good thing. Um, and so it, it's, you know, try to use that feeling, that, that feeling of disillusionment or confusion and use that as a motivation to, to get out there and explore again. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it's the ultimate way to sit in discomfort, right? You talk about that a lot. You call it uh, Manson's law of avoidance, which says that the more uncomfortable a potential answer is in life, like a big life answer, the more likely it is to be true and relevant and accurate for growth. So we need to examine it. We need to crave healthy doubt and introspection instead of running from it. Can you talk a little bit about that for a minute? The law of avoidance, as you call it, especially in the context of the times in life, the evolutions in life where we're kind of reinventing ourselves and maybe we naturally do feel lost. Can you talk about this idea of avoidance for a minute? Yeah, it's so our, our self-definition or like our, our identity, how we choose to see ourselves, it, it has like an inertia to it. We tend to protect it. So it's like if if I derive a lot of my self worth from, say, the fact that I'm a, an author or a writer, I'm going to protect that vision of myself. So if people, you know, talk shit about me or make fun of me or whatever, like I'm going to get like really worked up emotionally, be like, no, I'm an author. I did this and this and this. And we all have that kind of story that we tell ourselves about who we are. And generally, the you know the way the mind works is. We, we summon up emotions to defend that self-definition. And that can be anger if we feel threatened by somebody else, but it can also be anxiety if we're about to take an action that is going to threaten that self-definition or that, that identity. And what's really interesting is that not only do we feel that anxiety when we're, there, we're potentially going to have negative experiences that threaten that definition, but we also, we also experience a lot of anxiety when we're, when we're about to have a very positive experience that threatens that self-definition. Uh, and so this is why people self-sabotage a lot. Like they don't, they do find that great relationship and then they find a way to screw it up because they, they're they so attached to the identity that, you know, oh, nobody's going to love me or nothing ever works out for me or, you know, wh- whatever their their story is. Uh, they, fi- they find a way to, to mess it up. They get, they start to get anxious and freak out. Um, and so it's, it just seems to be one of the ways that our emotions work. It's we've got the ego, which is our identity, our self-definition, our bundle of narratives that we use to describe ourselves. And then our emotions kind of conspire to protect that bundle of narratives. Um, and so it, there's like a skill that we have to develop of pulling those narratives apart, questioning them, letting them go. Uh, it kind of le- leads back into the uncertainty piece that that you mentioned earlier, like just holding them a little bit lighter um, so that when those new experiences do come in our lives, like we don't have such strong 
emotional reactions to protect ourselves. Yeah, I love that. I think you refer to it as a feedback loop where our emotions can either reinforce a negative pattern or they can set us free. You know, drawing that line there is so important. And I'm curious for you, Mark, um, for me, I sometimes describe myself as delusionally optimistic, like somewhere in there. Like I prefer to say logically optimistic because I can prove it with my experience. But I'm curious for you, I really enjoyed the movie. And, you know, of course, you're writing, just learning a bit about your life story and how you came to, you know, these mindsets. But I'm curious for you right now in the year 2023, what is your view of the world? Are, are you, would you consider yourself an optimist? Are people inherently good or are people bad? I'd love to know where your, where your head is at just regarding the world. I think it's really funny because, okay, so on a, on a grand level, I, I am optimistic about, like the world is just getting better. I think if you, if you really just look at the data and are really honestly read history, it, it's undeniable that life is getting better. And the problems we have today, which are very real problems, are much better than the problems that we had, say, 30 years ago or 50 years ago or 100 years ago. I, I, I think there's just that's just a fact. Um, and so I, I continue to be optimistic. I think life in general is getting better every generation. And I don't see any reason why, barring some unlikely catastrophe, I don't see why that would change. Um, but on an end, most people don't feel that way. And the reason they don't feel that way is, is because our brains are actually like our, our psychology is very, I don't want to say flawed because our psychology is what it is for a lot of really good reasons. Uh, but our perceptions of the world are very inaccurate. Um, and this is because our, our minds didn't evolve to perceive truth. Our minds evolved to perceive whatever we needed to survive. And it turned out that whatever we needed to survive was often not true. <laughs> it was often very like skewed or distorted. Uh, and so most people actually feel that the world is worse than it used to be. And because of a series of cognitive biases that we have, our memories are flawed. We don't, we tend to exaggerate problems in our minds and forget we tend to remember good things in our past and not bad things. Uh, there's all sorts of different distortions and stuff that our brains have going on. Um, so we are fundamentally flawed and in terms of if, if you're measuring it by in terms of like perceiving truth or, or accuracy. And a lot of my work has been based on that because I think a lot of old school self-help was like, you know, you have this limitless potential. You can be anybody you want to be. Um, everybody's amazing. Everybody is special, et cetera, et cetera. And I just don't think reality or science backs that up. Like we're all pretty generic human beings. <laughs> like we all have the very similar insecurities. We all have very similar desires. We all end the fuck up in the same ways as each other. Uh, and there's nothing wrong with that. Like it's, I think it's actually way more helpful to be honest about that stuff um, and learn to live with it rather than to like deny it or pretend it's not there. So uh, kind of a two-pronged answer to your question there. Like, yes, I do think life is getting better and I am generally an optimist on, on most dimensions. But I also think that, you know, part of humans just being human is that we, we get upset and insecure and freak out about things that, you know, don't really matter. So it's a constant battle to kind of like correct those biases that we have within ourselves. Yeah, I love that. I mean, it sounds a lot, it sounds like a lot of choices, right? We have the ability to decide what matters and what doesn't. 
So almost ready to wrap up here, you know, like two minutes ago, uh, you said in an interview that happiness is a choice, but you have to know how to access it. Uh, I'm sure you'd want more than two minutes <laughs> to expand on this, but I'd love to know what that means for people listening. Happiness is a choice, but you have to know how to access it. I think happiness ultimately is simply derived from perspective. It's, you know, in the book, I talk about metrics, like what is the yardstick you're using to measure your life and measure success and failure. And generally, if we are consistently unhappy about things, it's often because we're choosing yardsticks that create the result of unhappiness consistently. So if you learn how to change the yardstick, change your measurement, or just simply change your perspective, then you can access happiness pretty easily in any moment. I think developing a skill of gratitude is a big part of this as well. Like Because gratitude forces you to shift your perspective to the good things in your life that you're taking for granted. Um, and I think that learning to make that perspective shift is, is just incredibly practical and useful for like everyday mood and, and happiness. So, um, so yeah, it, it's, it's, it's a skill that can be developed and practiced. Um, and it is accessible at any moment if you so choose, but yeah, we often forget we have that choice. Yes, 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 we do. So Thank you, Mark. Uh, I really enjoyed this. I, I really did. It's so refreshing to see an update on these philosophies and how they practically apply in our lives. And if there's one thing I'm always striving for when it comes to mindfulness or self-help or self-development, whatever you want to call it, it's practicality. How can we make mindsets a practical thing to enhance and stay consistent in our lives? So if you're looking for more, I would definitely encourage you to check out the film adaptation of the book, The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck. You can go to subtleartmovie.com to see where it's playing. But that's it. As always, thank you so much for listening. Thank you for supporting me. And until next episode, I'm out. Legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of McDonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. In a fast-paced world... Every day brings new challenges and new opportunities. At Strayer University, we know a thing or two about getting and staying ahead of change. For over 130 years, we've been providing students like you with innovative tools and customized support. So you can find your way forward and always keep striving. Visit Strayer.edu to learn more. Strayer University is certified to operate in Virginia by CHEV and has many campuses, including at 2121 15th Street North in Arlington, Virginia.